Seltzer Kings podcasts. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Of course I have a plan for my vacation, Gavin. The 24-hour Applebee's in Times Square has Long Island iced teas for a dollar all week. Yes. The following podcast contains... Oh, ah, what the f*** did you do that for? Hey! That was... Don't swear. What are we? We're we- 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 not swear. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you... It's not even supposed to be here today. And yet still, you thought you could put out a show? What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 329. I got stoned, and I missed an edition of the show, and it's part three of Just Say No America, where I'm actually on vacation and running what is called a best-of show, although with this podcast, we use that term pretty liberally. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast is brought to you by returning sponsor, Fast Eddie's House of Herb, where sticky, hairy, and stinky doesn't just apply to the dancers at our gentlemen's club. Fast Eddie's House of Herb is your go-to dispensary in New Jersey for dank nugs and kind bud with locations in Hoboken, Fort Lee in Jersey City, South Orange, and pretty much any other city in New Jersey with direct rail to New York City. Why wait for New York to get around to opening up some stores when you can hop on the PATH train to Havana right here at Fast Eddie's House of Herb? So head across the river, New Yorkers, to the finest chronic in all of Jersey, get an edible, and go blizz out with Fast Eddie's House of Herb. I knew we were in trouble in that damn that, that egg commercial, that guy. I knew that was the government's take on drugs. You know, we're fucked, believe me. Here's your brain. I've seen a lot of weird shit on drugs. I've never, ever, 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 ever looked at an egg and thought it was a fucking brain. Not once, all right? I have seen UFOs split the sky like a sheep, but I have never, ever, ever looked at an egg thought it was a fucking brain. Not once. I have had seven balls of light come off of a UFO, lead me onto their ship, explain to me telepathically that we are all one and there is no such thing as death. But I have never, ever, ever, ever looked at an egg and thought it was a fucking brain. I am on vacation this week. Which I admit doesn't mean a whole lot when a quarter of the country is on fire, a quarter of the country is underwater, and the remaining half is filling up the ICUs because they would rather suck down horse dewormer than take their fucking shots. God bless America. So mostly I'm just bumming around New York City, meaning I'm sitting home in my underwear smoking legalized weed. Which is not true because I don't really smoke weed that much, so I'm just doing what I always do. Quitting work, devoting yourself to the occupation of drinking? Not so much an occupation, it's more of a hobby, really. But I am on vacation. Meaning, I decided I didn't need to write a new show for this week. Are a couple of reasons, really. First of all, vacation. Second of all, we have nearly 350 shows in our back catalog, so I could rerun anything I wanted. And finally, the series we've been running about Prohibition America has come to the point where I gotta talk about drugs. And frankly, we've already done it. Yeah, when I started researching it weeks ago, I realized that we'd said pretty much all we wanted to say in episode 286, One Toke Over This Day Line, Sweet Jesus. 
And sure, I could have stretched out another full episode by playing a bunch of Just Say No ads and ranting about Reagan, but again... We've got it! We've got it already! It's done! So I decided to use what we call in the business a... Let's do a clip show. Bottle episode! And that's what you've got right here. A show that counts as new because I wrote this intro, but it's mostly recycled crap from older shows because if it's good enough for Hollywood, it's good enough for Seltzer Kings. So without further ado... I give you these clips from the way back in the beginning of this show. This one is episode 16, I Talk the Law in the Law One. The system isn't made for you or me. If we have a problem, we've got three options. Judge Judy, the People's Court, or Judge Joe Brown. And honestly, you probably aren't weird enough to qualify for any of them. If you are caught in the criminal justice system, your options are slightly better. At least you could stand the outside shot of not being executed for a crime you didn't commit, so long as you're white. It's not entirely the system's fault, since it's overwhelmed with broken windows violations, which of course are the small quality of life offenses like smoking marijuana in public, while black, or say, public intoxication, while black, or you know, just driving down the road while black i mean hey assuming you're a white man or a white woman you've got nothing to worry about non-violent drug offenses make 40 percent of federal cases so you can extrapolate that the state and local jurisdictions where the vast majority of arrests are drug violations of one stripe or another are significantly larger. Whether or not you agree with the legalization of some drugs, you've got to admit locking people up for selling weed is only creating a better class of criminal. Shit, going to jail for a minor drug charge is pretty much an apprentice program. If you happen to get locked up, and you don't have a drug syndicate to pay your legal fees, you can look forward to a public defender who who is either too incompetent or too idealistic to get into private practice, and I leave it to you to decide which one is actually worse. They will spend roughly three minutes with you while they figure out which plea deal to plead down to and be gone before you were able to finish explaining that while you actually are African American, you didn't actually commit the crime the cop picked you up for. A good public defender will tell you that guilt or innocence, well, ain't nobody got time for that. Take the plea, do the time, and just get on with your life. The system isn't built to explore truth or innocence or explore ideals of justice. This isn't 12 angry men. This is 1,200 angry people. They got to clear this week so they can get paid if you're looking for Lady Justice. The only way you're going to find her is to date a stripper whose dad used to be a cop. If you're actually looking to spend the least amount of time in jail, you should take the fucking plea. Oh my god, I sound so much younger there. I mean, it was only six years ago. Fuck, I've been doing this show a long time. Also, episode 16 was back in what we call the PG era of the show, the pre-Gavin time when he wasn't around to do the editing and annoy me enough to get loud and punchy. Now, these next clips are from episode 30, Then I Got High, which were some of the earliest Gavin shows, and I think you can tell the difference. And the legal system is so fucked up because back in 1973, 
drugs were everywhere, man. You could get smack in like the 7-Eleven. And something, something had to be done. So New York State wrote and passed what came to be called the Rockefeller Laws because I hear that they were actually written in a studio in 30 Rock for a cop show that was never produced. Just mm, mm, mm. a little bit of water. Uh, I'm sorry, my producer is telling me that uh, it's called the Rockefeller Laws because they were signed by Governor Nelson Rockefeller, who thought he could be president. And those laws, the Rockefeller Laws, introduced the harshest penalties for the sale of anything more than two ounces of dope that had ever been done before. These penalties started at 15 years for two ounces of dope going up to 25 to life. That's not a crime of violence. It's not like, you know, you were had drugs and you were selling them and you shot another drug dealer. That's just for having two or more ounces of dope on your person and getting caught trying to sell it. A few years ago, New York lifted the mandatory minimums from those laws, but the core of them, I mean, you're still getting a shitload of time for a very little crime. Or was it something else that happened in the 60s that made people really upset? Our forefathers weren't the pilgrims. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock was landed on us. Oh, that's right. That thing happened, too. If you don't think that the drug laws were conceived, written, debated, passed, and enforced as a direct response to, one, the fact that white people thought that African Americans were getting just a little bit big for their britches now with all this freedom stuff, and that black people were the source of the quote drug problem unquote in America. You don't have to be Ta-Nehisi Coates to put two and two together, and the sad thing is, is that shit worked. And let's talk about some cold hard truths here for a minute, because by percentage, way more white people buy drugs, use drugs, and sell drugs than minorities. That's because, you know, first of all, there are a lot more white people. Somehow, though, black offenders make up 45% of the prison population incarcerated for drugs compared to 30% for whites. And you may not have noticed, you may not have noticed, depending on where you live, or if you're like in like Oregon or Washington or Idaho, but black people only make about 15% of the population in America compared to white folks slipping 63%. And when you look at those numbers, they don't add up. And there's only one reason that this is the case. And I just want to say for all of us straight white guys, we're so sorry. We're truly sorry. And we realize we suck. If there's a recurring motif in this podcast, it is that white people suck. I mean, I'm a white guy and I suck. So, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Before all of you get mad at me for making sweeping generalizations about white people, I want to remind you that I only do this because... You suck. You suck. And when people suck as much as you suck, I'm going to remind you of how much you suck. And I will stop reminding you when you don't suck so much. And based on what I'm seeing happening in Texas, I'm just saying I'm going to be saying you suck for the foreseeable future. Now, this last set of clips is far more recent. Last November, just a matter of fact, right after the election, I was looking for something to talk about besides the election. The show had been shifting course away from current events for over the past year or so, and we still a little bit in that mode when we recorded this one. Hell, at the time, I was kind of thinking that things might, you know, get better. You poor damn fool. But since then, New York City and New York State has legalized weed and everyone in the damn city is smoking cheap on the sidewalk. Like, 
Well, exactly like they'd always been doing, but now the cops can't have to pretend like they're okay with it. So in episode 286, one took over the state line, sweet Jesus, we talked about legalization, but we also talked about why weed was illegal in the first place, and that wraps up Just Say No America, and just a pretty little bow for you. The net effect of the great moral panic was 1937's Marijuana Tax Act, the brainchild of one Harry J. Anslinger, a virulent racist dick nodule and OG narc. I mean, Anslinger was so fucking racist that even back in the 30s, dudes in KK hoods were like, That dude was hardcore racist, like 1800s Disney style. There had been local laws and taxes before 1937, and even some federal laws, but Anslinger's little law created the modern drug war way back in 37. His game plan was simple, amplifying the general fears of white people with lurid stories of violence committed against plain and simple, decent white folks. Where have I heard that before? Well, every single fucking Republican running for office over the last 50 years. Let me read to you some of Anslinger's rhetoric from speeches and his radio announce appearances from the time. Quote, by the tons of it, it is coming into this country. The deadly, dreadful poison that racks and tears not only the body, but the very heart and soul of every human being who once becomes a slave to it or any of its cruel and devastating forms. Marijuana is shortcut to the insane asylum. Smoke marijuana cigarettes for a month, and what was once your brain will be nothing but a storehouse of horrid specters and hashish makes of the murder of those who kill for the love of killing out of the mildest mannered man who ever laughed at the idea that any habit could ever get to him. Unquote. But I hear you saying, Dave, you said he was racist. Where's the racism? Well, let's try this. Quote, colored students at the University of Minnesota partying with white female students smoking marijuana and getting their sympathy with stories of racial persecution. Result, pregnancy. Two Negroes took a girl 14 years old out and kept her two days under the influence of him. Under recovery, she was found to be suffering from syphilis. Reefa makes darkies think they're as good as white men. That's incredibly racist. Super racist. Of course. Our modern drug war came into being through the auspices of a different but equally insidious racist piece of shit. President Richard Nixon. Tricky Dick had many enemies, but two he loathed in particular. The first, of course, were the ungrateful uppity Negro with their annoying demands for things like constitutional rights and their tilt to Democrats after being loyal Republicans so long, despite the fact that Republicans became the party of and for white people. And his other enemy, of course, and what they came up with to take them both down was a really fucking racist stereotype that they just totally fucking made up about both parties and the devil's lettuce. John Ehrlichman. Nixon aide and convicted Watergate conspirator summed it up in a 2016 Harper's Magazine interview with author Dan Baum. Quote, You want to know what this is really all about? He asked with the bluntness of a man who, after public disgrace in a stretch in federal prison, had little left to protect. The Nixon campaign in 68 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did, unquote. Wow, that was honest. 
The Nixon administration and Congress wrote up the Controlled Substances Act of 1971. They laid out the schedule system of classifying drugs, established the legal framework to pass laws against possession, sale, and trafficking, and created the Drug Enforcement Administration to be the lead agency for handling drug investigations internationally and domestically, though the bulk of enforcement was left to states and local jurisdictions. It was also one hell of a tool to use against minorities, not so much because minorities use drugs more than white people, but rather because the criminal justice system is extremely racist. If you want proof... Look no further than the Reagan administration and just say no. Psst, some good pot for you. No. Cocaine? No, thanks. Yo, my man, you want some nudes? No way. If someone offers you drugs, instead of saying something you really don't mean, just say no. Got some cents a million for you. No. No. No big production number. Just say no. You'd be surprised how well it works. Hot. No. You might notice the drug dealer was noticeably black during that ubiquitous commercial because, again, the entire program was designed towards white kids because it was, again, super racist. While white kids were being told to just say no, do you want to know where black kids were being told at the same time? Get up against the wall! Get up against the wall! Thanks to crack in particular, the drug enforcement felt wildly disproportionate against the communities of color, despite a clear evidence that white folks used just as many drugs, if not more, than minorities. I mean, the penalties for crack were exponentially harsher than the same or less amounts of powder cocaine, and the only reason anyone could think of was... Because you're black. Exactly. Black people use crack, and white people use powder. And it was possession of Keith that drove the majority of arrests for one primary reason. People like to smoke colorforta style particularly young people. And if you want to systematically oppress young people of color, having harsh drug laws for possession of fucking marijuana is just the fucking tool to do it with. Well, I guess... Uh, and that's all I had to say about that. So that's it for the show this week. This poorly timed series and pretty much everything else, because again... It's not even supposed to be here today. So do all the things I ask you to do while I am here, and I guess go roll yourself a fatty, because that's it. I'm done. Got to go start writing our show about 9-11 for next week, which is just going to be a fun, fun time for fucking everyone. But you got to get those clicks. So for me, Dave rolled around a bit and had another hit, Bledsoe. Producer, rolled myself a bomber and thought about my mama. What does that even mean? Gavin and all the fictional 80s kids who never said no on this show, we want to say, we're sorry about this, but really... We got stoned and we missed it. We'll see you all next week. I was sitting in my basement. I just rolled myself a taste of something sticky green and glorious to get me through the day. When my friend yelled through the window, grab your hat and coat and let's go. Fools down on the corner giving dollar bills away. But I laid around a bit and I had another hit Rolled myself a bomber and I thought about my mama Laid around, played around, stayed around a while And then I got stoned and I missed it I got stoned and I missed it I got stoned and it rolled right by Stone and I missed it. I got stoned and I missed it. I got stoned.
What the hell were you thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.